Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. This episode of Ladies Who Punt is brought to you by Inglis. Inglis has had over a century of turf champions go through their sales rings. And now with their pink bonus series, there has never been a better time for women to join in on the fun of racehorse ownership. That's right, Grace. With the bonus prize money up for grabs, the Pink Bonus Series is a great initiative to get more women involved in racing, making Inglis a fabulous partner to ladies who punt. We can't thank them enough for supporting our podcast and the representation of women in the racing media. Field is ready. They're racing in the Oaks. Hello and welcome back to Ladies Who Punt. We are the podcast that aims to decode the sport of horse racing one topic at a time. My name is Fiona Blair and joining me for a very special Melbourne Cup episode is my co-host Grace Ramage. Hello, Grace. Hello, Fee, and hello to everybody listening to a massive Ladies Who Punt episode because it is all about the Group 1 3200-metre Melbourne Cup, Australia's great race. We're only two days out uh, of the point that we are recording this podcast, and we've already had an amazing Derby Day. You know, the whole nation, especially the city of Melbourne, is absolutely racing mad at the moment. Um, And the first day, Derby Day, was a great day, and it only gets better from here in terms of um, the racing. You know, we've got so many Group 1s still on offer, including the Melbourne Cup, and also the weather, because it's going to be 30 degrees for most of the rest of the week, and I cannot wait. Yeah, Derby Day looked incredible from the sidelines. Our Ladies Who Punch Social Club was feed was filled with our members attending the Derby Day and they all looked like they had a lovely time, so that was awesome to see. But yes, our attention does now move to the Melbourne Cup and in this episode we will be just talking about that race because, Grace, there's 24 runners in this field. It's a massive race to get through um, and it's very hard to pick the winner of the Melbourne Cup each and every year. So, of course, we had to dedicate a whole episode to try and figure that out. Yeah, that's exactly it. I mean, it is a great race for so many different reasons. Um, I suppose primarily it's the race that stops the nation for well over 100 years. This is the race where, um, you know, non-racing people are captivated, whether it's, um, you know, through a sweepstakes that they're doing at a barbecue because, of course, it's a public holiday. Um, And, you know, it's just got so much history and tradition around it but also it's a great race in terms of trying to find the winner it's a great betting race um there are so many different opinions out there and it's a great race to be able to go through the form of the 24 horses and have your own opinion and have your own thought process and for that reason uh it's a fantastic race for us to be able to dedicate a full ladies who punt episodes to doing episode to do our runner by runner preview for the race 
Last year, we did our first sweepstakes preview of the Melbourne Cup and we decided it was a fantastic format to carry on with because, like you said, so many people, whether it's at work or with their families and friends, will be running a sweepstake uh, come Tuesday. And so for those who have just picked out a horse that they don't know much about, this is the episode for them to hear you know, a minute or two on, on their chances and, and how they've been going leading into the race. Well, Grace, I think we better crack on because there's, like we said, there's a very big field, 24 horses, and there's lots to talk about. Are you ready to get stuck into it? I am absolutely ready. I'm actually going to <laughs> be forming my own opinion as we go. I've had a pretty good look at each and every horse, but I think, Fee, you know, as much as it's going to be for our listeners, it's going to be for you and I to really um, get to the nitty gritty of each and every runner and what their winning chances are. Absolutely. That's exactly how I feel. There's there's no clear horse in my mind when we started recording. So it'll be interesting to see how things unfold as we go through each runner. Well, let's start off with number one, gold trip for Kieran Ma and David Eustace, the first of five runners for them, which is just incredible. Of course, he carries a top weight at 58 and a half kilos and is jumping from barrier two. Just a quick fact on this one, Grace. Gold Trip will be the sixth multiple winner if he can win on Tuesday. The first one since Maccabi Diva won three in a row, 2003, 2004, and 2005. So not a lot of horses have managed to be a multiple winner over the, over the race's history. And Gold Trip looks to add his name to the history books. Let's talk about his prep leading up to this race, Grace. All right. Gold Trip is one of a couple of Melbourne Cup winners in this field, which for us makes it easy for us to know that we can tick the box of having stayed successfully over the Melbourne Cup distance of 3,200 metres. But let's just talk about specifically what he's been doing this spring carnival compared to what he was doing this time last year when he won the Melbourne Cup. And what is fascinating to note about Gold Trip is, um, you know, he's overall a two-time Group 1 winner and, and we saw him win the Melbourne Cup this time last year, but he also came back with a bang this spring in the Turnbull Stakes. But he's a horse that's taken a while since he came over from Europe to really settle in and get to his best um, for Kiramar and David Eustace. He had a couple of little feet problems, a few soundness issues, which saw him off the scenes for seasons and seasons. Now as a seven-year-old, still an entire, um, there's no doubt in my mind that he is going as good as he ever has this spring. And that even goes to say that he won a Melbourne Cup this time last year. I think he's actually going better. The horse is in better order than he has ever been before. That is the first thing I want to say about Gold Trip. Now, in terms of what he's done this campaign, he won a Turnbull Stakes, as I mentioned. That was three starts ago at Flemington over the 2,000 metres, and he was only second up there. His first up run at Mooney Valley uh, was good in a benchmark 100, but then he came out and dominated in the Turnbull Stakes. It was like, whoa, this horse is back in a massive way. From there, he then went to the Caulfield Cup 2,400 metres, where he carried the top weight of 58.5 kilos. Uh, he got back and hit the line really strongly, uh, probably just the weight in the end, and he was only two, about two lengths off those two horses that finished in front of him without a fight and West Wind Blows. So the Caulfield Cup was a massive tick as well. And then only seven days later, he backs up into the Cox Plate, which was, of course, only a week ago now. Um, and he was towards the rear of the field, sort of held up and hit the line strongly again. 
uh, over the 2,000 metres there. So it was 2,400 metres of the Caulfield Cup back to the Cox Plate 2,000 metres. Now it comes in only 10 days later and goes into a Melbourne Cup. Fascinating thing about Gold Trip is it is basically the exact same pathway and lead-up runs that he took to get to the Melbourne Cup and win last year. However, there is one significant difference. In fact, two significant differences. The first one is that last year he encountered two soft to heavy tracks. One of them was in the Caulfield Cup where they went quite slowly and sprinted home and he was able to dash up and only just narrowly be beaten there. And the second one was in the Melbourne Cup. And that was pretty soft going out there that day. The thing about Gold Trip is he's a great horse on a good track, but he's a superior horse on a wet track. So I think um, when I go back and look at what Gold Trip last year, which was dominant in the Melbourne Cup, but I'm really convinced that that was also because he was so good on that on those conditions on that wet track and other horses may not have been at their best. For example, without a fight, who was in that race last year, but didn't handle the going. So now we've got a different set of circumstances where on Tuesday, on Melbourne Cup Day, we're not going to have a wet track. There's no way. It's going to be, you know, a good four, most likely, maybe a good three. It'll still have cushion in it, but it's not wet. He's not going to be able to, you know, get through those soft, soft conditions, which he loves. You know, he's a horse that just loves being able to get into the ground um, and relishes those conditions. So it's a totally different scenario for Gold Trip. And because of that, I'm certainly not bowling into the Melbourne Cup thinking this horse is the one to beat. I think that he's flying, but there's just a few queries for me that means that maybe he will be, um, you know, a top three, four, five chance, but might not be the winner. Yeah, I have to agree with you there, Grace, with all of those sentiments. I think he was, just like you said, he was flattered last year with the wetter track, and now he meets his rivals on a much better surface, so that advantage will be taken off him. I 100% think he can finish in the top four. I think he's going very well. His runs leading up, there's been nothing wrong with his runs. And, you know, yes, he's carrying a kilo more than he carried last year, but he's been carrying pretty, you know, heavy weights all prep, and it hasn't been bothering him too much from from what I can see. So definitely think a top four chance for Gold Trip. I think what we should do, Fee, and I've just come up with this idea, is for every horse that we go Mm -hmm. through, let's put them in categories and – Okay, this is what yep. we're going to do. We're going to say that there are four categories of four categories of horses in the Melbourne Cup this year. The first is the class horses, the best horses in the race. The second one is the stay all dayers, which are the horses that just mm-hmm. have so much stamina. 3,200 metres is their forte, even further. Um, but whether they have the class, that's the query. We're going to have the progressive X factor horses where we don't really know yet, but boy, oh boy, are they impressing us with what they're doing so far. They might be able to go to the next level. Mm-hmm. How exciting. And then the final category is the not right now horses where for whatever reason for us, they don't seem to be, you know, going to be able to produce their very best and therefore not be able to win the Melbourne Cup. So they're the four cl- the four categories of horses, I think, that we have in the Melbourne Cup this year. And Gold Trip is definitely one of the class horses in the race. There's no doubt about that. Um, but there are just a couple of little queries that make me think that he's not the top pick, but he certainly is a top three, four, five chance, in my opinion. Let's move on to number two, Alan Kerr for Mike Maroney with Damien Oliver aboard. Mike Maroney's looking for his second Melbourne Cup 
win since Brew in 2000. And this is Damien Oliver's last cup, having announced plans to retire towards the end of this year. So um, I think he'd love to get one more to his name. So Alan Kerr jumps from barrier nine with 56 and a half kilos. Grace, when I was looking at this horse's form, he's one of the horses who has never seen the trip of 3,200 metres, uh, which I think is obviously a concern to start with. Where do you think he falls into your rankings of those four categories you described earlier? He's a really tricky one, Alan Kerr, because um, we've only not we've only seen him a handful of times. You know, we don't have a really good um, handle on what he's capable of, and he's fourth up for the campaign. His first two runs this preparation. Um, both at Group 1 level at Caulfield in the Underwood Stakes and then the Caulfield Stakes, the Might and Power, were okay. They didn't really, you know, suggest, oh, this horse is airborne and he's going to win a Melbourne Cup. But then his run in the Mooney Valley Gold Cup last start was quite good uh, once he got out to 2,500 metres around the tight-turning track there. So that was encouraging that stepping up and trip, we could see him, you know, even race better. Like, he wasn't getting tired. He was actually even stronger through the line once he got up in distance. So I think that's encouraging. But what, I, what I'm what i querying about Alan Kerr is for a horse that we don't know too much about yet, he sure does have to carry a lot of weight, 56.5 kilos, yes. because he is a Group 1 winner back in Europe. Um, that's not in his favour at all. He's not, you know, he, you can understand why Gold Troop has to carry the weight because he carried top weight essentially in the Melbourne Cup last year and, and won the race there. So obviously Gold Trip's got the 58.5 kilos and Alan Kerr's got the second top weight with 56.5 kilos and he's carrying the same weight as without a fight, last start Caulfield Cup winner. So I think the weight's against him definitely. Look, in terms of my categories, he might half be in the progressive X-Factor horses but also half in the not-right-now category. I think we need to see what Alan Kerr does here. Um he, he might be flying, but we just don't quite know yet. So while I was on the fence, I'm probably going to go with the not right now. Okay, well, let's move on to number three without a fight. Lining up for Anthony and Sam Friedman. Won the Caulfield Cup last start. Was very tough there. He has Mark Zara aboard with 56.5 kilos and jumping from barrier 16. Now, if Mark Zara can pull off a win on Tuesday, he will be the first jockey since Glenn Boss to hit consecutive cup wins as he was on uh, gold trip last year when he won and that's been quite an interesting story leading into the cup hasn't it grace because mark zara's been jumping on and then jumping off gold trip alternating really with without a fight he wasn't on gold trip in the caulfield cup he was on without a fight then he jumped back on gold trip in the cox plate and now jumps off to jump on without a fight in the melbourne cup so i think that says a lot what did you think of his lead up run in the caulfield cup i thought it was a pretty true staying test run it at quite a strong tempo in the early stages. What did you think? Well, this horse has definitely got to be a great winning chance in the Melbourne Cup because, uh, again, another one that here in Australia we've only seen a handful of times, five times in total in his races, uh, and he's only been here on Australian shores since this time last year when he had his first run for English trainers Simon and Ed, Ed Crisford in the Melbourne Cup. So uh, last start in the Caulfield Cup, it was a monstrous performance from him considering he was only second up there and was a little gap between runs. He was sort of going in there with a month or 30 days or so that he hadn't raced. So for him to go and do that and settle towards the rear on what was a very fast tempo, but be so strong to the line. And, you know, it was a great battle between him and West Wind Blows. 
in the concluding stages of the Caulfield Cup there, and he didn't lie down at all. He was just so strong at the finish, which indicates to me that this horse is going exceptionally well. Tick Caulfield Cup win, already a Group 1 feature to his name here in Australia. And now to think that he's third up going to a Melbourne Cup, well, you can expect that he's still the horse on the up. Um, last year when he came out here for the Melbourne Cup with the, his UK trainers, he was considered a pretty good winning chance in the race. There was a lot of expectation about how he would go. He was a $12 chance in that race, um, which in a Melbourne Cup, you know, says a lot to suggest that the horse has got a good winning chance. But when the rain started to fall, everybody's enthusiasm started to dampen a bit because we just knew and all the reports were that he would prefer quick ground, good ground, rather than soft ground in a Melbourne Cup. And he was disappointing. But now we get his conditions that he's clearly thriving on because he's gone so well this prep and also with two wins up in Queensland in the winter. So there's just so much to like about without a fight. The only slight question mark is the 3,200 metres, but I'm not going back to last year as an indicator of that because I think the wet ground has something to do with it. I think he can win. I think he's a top three chance. He's clearly a class horse, one of the best horses in the race. Barrier 16 means that we'll probably see Mark Zara ride a similar sort of a race, like he'll probably get back towards midfield, further further back even, blend in somewhere and be presented to be finishing off strongly the long Flemington straight. Um, and you hit the nail on the head, Fee, with Mark Zara. We have to take into consideration that Mark chose this horse over Gold Trip. That says a lot in itself. Let's move on now to number four, Breakup, who's lining up for the Japanese. He's paying $19.00 at the time of recording. Now, he's carrying 55 kilos and jumping from Barrier 18 on Tuesday. The only other horse to ever win from Barrier 18 was Very Elegant two years ago, so he's got a little bit of a challenge there in terms of the history books. His last start was in the Caulfield Cup where he ran eighth behind without a fight. Grace, do you think he's one of our serious contenders on Tuesday? Do you think he's going well enough? So Breakup um, has been one of the horses out at the Werribee Quarantine Centre, this spring racing carnival coming out of Japan, um, joining a lot of those horses that have come out of Europe to be in quarantine and trained out of quarantine with their international connections. And we've already seen Breakup have the first race start that he's had here in Australia. That was in the Caulfield Cup, where he went around a $10 chance in the race that without a fight won. Uh, The... Connections, the Japanese trainer and, um, you know, all the stable staff were very, very confident that Breakup would be going close to winning the Caulfield Cup and they were very confident that he'd be going close to winning the Melbourne Cup as well. So on face value, they would probably have been disappointed with the fact that he only finished eighth on that occasion uh, in the Caulfield Cup. However, in the Caulfield Cup, Breakup sort of settled you know, midfield and sort of started to make his run with the horses that ultimately were fighting out the finish and without a fight, West Wind Blows and even Gold Trip. And on that very fast tempo, he presented, he sort of was left a little bit flat-footed. And then if you actually watch the replay in the straight, he didn't have much luck at all. He was buffeted around, there's a little bit of interference and he got spat out the back and lost all momentum. So I'm not certain that he was uh, firing in the sense that he was building to be racing into the placings in the Caulfield Cup. It was sort of looked like he was just holding his ground, if not maybe losing ground there. But he was unlucky. So you, you have to uh, add a little bit back onto his Caulfield Cup performance. Whether or not he's got 
so much more improvement in him that could see him, you know, turn around a six-length defeat or so with, without a fight and gold trip ahead of him there to now being in the finish over 3,200 metres in a Caulfield in a Melbourne Cup is the question mark. But you've got to remember that this they the Japanese, they know what it takes to come out here and, and have a horse compete at the top level in these races and, and go really close. So for them to have identified breakup as one that they were really confident could do the Caulfield Cup and the Melbourne Cup double, I think we need to be forgiving of his last start performance. And I think that he is one that probably is definite first half of the field finisher. Um, and I would probably say he's a progressive X factor. That's the category that he's fitting into because, you know, I'm not, I'm not here to say that on the basis of his Caulfield Cup run that he's not good enough. We don't know yet. His connections and his trainers obviously think that he is. So for me, he goes in the progressive X-Factors category, and I think he's going to finish in the first half of the field. Now, Grace, we move on to the the favourite, Vauban, who is currently sitting at $4.20 as the favourite. He is out here for Willie Mullins from the UK and has Ryan Moore aboard with 55 kilos and jumping from barrier three. He, if he were to win on Tuesday as the favourite, that would be the first horse since Fiorente in 2013 to to win the Melbourne Cup as a favourite. So favourites, I guess, don't have the best record in the Cup. Uh, we all know that. Grace, this is the first time we'll be seeing him in Australia. What do we know about his form back home? Well, this is an interesting horse indeed. The favourite Vauban for the Melbourne Cup this year. Uh there's a lot to talk about when it comes to Vauban. Um, the first thing that I'm going to say is that we see Ryan Moore flying out of the Breeders' Cup in America where he was oh so good winning a feature race aboard an Aidan O'Brien horse in August Rodan. Ryan Moore's won a Melbourne Cup before. He did it on Protectionist and he is arguably the best jockey in the world. So that in itself is... Um, you know, a super exciting element to see Ryan Moore back in Melbourne to ride him. Break up uh, the horse we just spoke about as well. I should have said Damien Lane rode him in the Caulfield Cup, but now in the Melbourne Cup, his regular Japanese jockey is flying out to ride him as well. So um, take note of that as well. But back to the favourite here in Vauban. There has been so much talk about this horse the whole way through. In fact, since he won at Royal Ascot back in the tw- in June, the 20th of June this year. He won by seven and a half lengths over 2,800 metres at Royal Ascot. Um, It was identified in in all the media. uh, Willie Mullins, the trainer, said, we're coming to Melbourne, we're going to run in the Melbourne Cup. Uh, That's the plan. So since then, he has been right there at the top of betting for the Melbourne Cup and he's come out here and all he has done and all everybody has done is talk about how great he is and he's just continued to show everyone in his work and his big chestnut frame and he's an imposing horse and he's powerful. Um, He looks to be a very, very nice horse. So all the commentary would say that he is basically a good thing in this race, to be honest. Uh, not and not even that it's coming from the stable necessarily. You know, Willie Mullins and uh, his team here at, at Werribee at the quarantine facility, uh, they are all keeping it pretty cool, calm and collected. They're not getting ahead of themselves. They're just happy with the horse. But there are a few things that are against Vauban. And the first thing is is what you just said, Fee. Favourites do not have a good record in this race. So that in itself is a scary prospect. It's a race where, um, you know, there's, it's just such a it's such a tough race to win. It's such a tough race to come out and 
um, you know, everything to go absolutely picture perfect to be able to get there first past the post that favourites just don't have a good record for whatever reason that is. The second thing that I think is against Roban is the barrier draw. And this is the perfect time for us to discuss the speed map of the Melbourne Cup. This is the first horse where um, the speed map is really, really crucial of what's going to happen out of the barriers and how that's going to affect them in the finish. Vauban himself in his racing all through Europe, and as I mentioned, we've seen him race in Europe many times this preparation already. So he's coming here with a really good base of fitness on him. Like his last start was on the 7th of August. So he's coming over here really rock hard fit. Um, he likes to race up on speed. He likes to race near the pace. He likes to race leading. He likes to be going along at a nice bowling tempo. And he likes to be able to build off that and just show amazing sustained speed and stamina and sort of like basically churn his rivals into the ground. Just keep on galloping, 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 and nothing can sort of get near him over the concluding stages. Now, when I'm having a look at the speed map here, and I'm going to go in race book order down all of the runners that we've that we're speaking about here, and I'm going to say which ones are going to go forward in this race. Break up from barrier 18. I think that he might, you know, roll the dice and they might look to go forward and try and slot in somewhere in the first half of the field. Vauban, definitely from barrier three, will want to hold a spot on speed or in behind the speed. Absurd from barrier eight. Right you are from barrier 15. Lastochka from barrier 21. Military mission from barrier five. Serpentine from barrier one. Future history from barrier 13. These are the speed horses that I think all out of the barriers show good intent to go and try and get a position on speed. The key for Vauban is if you go back and look at his recent races, he doesn't actually begin that well out of the barriers. And for me, a wide barrier would have been more beneficial than a low barrier because at least he could get to the top at his own terms. From barrier three, if he doesn't begin all that well, there is a high chance that those horses that I just mentioned that are also going to spear across are going to get there before he does, cross him, and have him buried back on the rail. And that is not a good setup for Vauban, I don't think. Now, what counters that is that we do have Ryan Moore, the world's best jockey, coming out to ride him. So I'm pretty sure he's going to know what to do and he's probably going to pull the right rein and, and get it right. But I just was hoping that Vauban was going to draw barrier 10, 11, 12, 13. Um, barrier 3 for me is a little bit scary because even if he doesn't begin well and Ryan Moore says, right, we're, we're going to you know, ask you for an effort here and we're going to try and get to the top. He might have to use some energy to try and get there and hold off some of those out wider. And then, I don't know, it's just, it's. I don't think it's the ideal barrier draw for Vauban. I still think that he is clearly one of the class horses in the race. He's one of the, the best horses in the race. And the reason for this is that what we've seen from him or earlier on in the year where he won at Royal Ascot by seven and a half lengths. Um, you know, it was very, very good win, and he's clearly a high-class horse. I'm just I'm wondering if there's something else that might be able to beat him on the day. So I think he's a top three, four finisher for sure, but it's just going to take um, a really, really interesting bit of riding out of the barriers to see where he gets to in the run. Uh, and if he does get to the top feet, the thing is, he probably just keeps on going and it'll make this race a very, very fast run, you know, real staying test, a real stamina event. And if he doesn't get to the top, it could, you know, not be that fast run and that might not suit him as well. So 
uh, tricky, I think, the barrier for Vauban. And uh, he's definitely deserving of being right there at the top of betting. I'm just wondering if there's something else that I can find to potentially beat him. Yeah, the other thing that I've just noticed taking a look at his form is his different uh, success rates on different tracks. So he's actually only had two starts on the good grace for one win. His best form seems to be on the soft. So I wonder if he's a little bit like Gold Trip, where that advantage might be taken off him on Tuesday. Um, and also, you know, like Australian goods are probably a bit firmer than European good tracks. I would say Australia's known for a bit more of our a bit of a a bit of a more hard harder surface. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see if that plays into it on Tuesday as well. Okay, well, let's go on to number six, Solcom, the first of, of four horses lining up for Chris Waller this year. This would be Chris Waller's second cup win after Very Elegant in 2021. And the first cup win for Joe Moreira, who uh, is obviously a very well, well-known international jockey, very good jockey, but has yet been able to win a Melbourne Cup. Solcom is currently sitting at $9 in the market as we are recording and he ran 7th in the Caulfield Cup behind without a fight as his lead-up run. Grace, this is a horse that you've been following all spring. We talk about, we've been talking about him a lot in the last few weeks. Are you with him in the Melbourne Cup? I think, Fee, I've come this far that I have to be with him to an extent in the Melbourne Cup because I literally have been following him every single start since he blew onto the scene with that massive heavily stakes win back on the 2nd of September. Um, Yeah, I've tipped him pretty much every start since then. So Solcombe gets to this race now, 3,200 metres. He's fifth up for the campaign. So in my head, I'm like, right, you're definitely ready to peak. You know, you've, you've had lots of conditioning runs under your belt. Um, you know, we're going to see a really, really fit horse, no excuses this this Tuesday. Whatever happens, I think, is going to be the best that Solcom can produce. Interestingly, he is another international horse of which uh, many of these horses in this field were bred in Europe or internationally and and now raced by uh, local connections and owned by local connections. No exception with Solcombe. He came out here this time last year, but he didn't run in the Melbourne Cup. They elected to go for uh, the Queen's Cup, another race on the following Saturday over 2,600 metres. He won by two and a half lengths and it was just like, wow, this horse, wait 12 months, everybody. We've got a serious Melbourne Cup contender here. So... If you even think back to all of the expectation that was around him back 12 months ago, again, that gives me more confidence that this is a really nice horse and we're going to see something pretty special from him on Tuesday. But there's the definite key for Solcombe is that he has not been beginning out of the barriers cleanly. If you go back and have a look at him out of the in the Caulfield Cup at his last start, he literally misses the start hopelessly. He's waiting for all the other horses to go. Then he sees them and then he says, oh, okay, I'll, I'll chase them now. The reason that he's been doing that, the Chris Waller things and Chris Waller's team and the riders and the feedback is that he's been wearing blinkers. And when you've got blinkers on um, a horse, the, the whole idea of blinkers is to basically block out anything that's happening around the horse. All they can see is straight ahead so that their focus is directed at exactly what's happening in front of them, not, you know, all the, the yahooing from other horses or, you know, grandstands and things that can distract them in a race. Um, so he's been wearing the blinkers and in the barriers, the connections feel that it's been really hindering his ability to 
begin cleanly. So they're making the decision to take the blinkers off. For the Melbourne Cup, they've done barrier education with him without his blinkers on, and they're pretty confident that we're going to be able to see him begin better, which is key for him. Barrier four he's drawn here. He is a backmarker. Um, so I'm not expecting him to be up near the speed. But if he begins well from barrier four, he will get the absolute perfect run in transit. Spend no petrol early when we've just spoken about the speed horses and the likes of Vauban who might need to, you know, use a little bit of petrol to hold a spot. There will be no energy used by Solcom in the early stages, which means they will be conserving them for the finish. So I think Joe Moreira um, will be, you know, hoping that he begins really well. And if he does, I think he'll be finishing off strongly. He definitely goes into the category of class best horses in the race. And I think he's probably a top five finish, in my opinion. Yeah, I can agree with everything of Sid Grace as long as he gets that jump. And, you know, <laughs> I am glad that they've decided to take the blinkers off. I think they obviously had to do something, but whether or not that's really the thing that's going to fix it, I'm, I'm not I'm not 100% convinced. I think there are other cues that horses can use other than, you know, that, that peripheral vision to know that they are about to jump. There's a lot of noise cues in the, in the gates, which they know, okay, I'm about to go. And I think, like, he should be using those cues a little bit more, not just what's going on around him with his blinkers on so that's a really good point <laughs> I'm, I'm i'm real <laughs> i'm just not 100 percent convinced i'm sure he'll jump better but will it be good enough i'm not sure um but if he can 100 percent with you on that okay let's move on to number seven absurd another willie mullins runner with zach purden aboard 53 kilos jumping from barrier eight this would be the first cup win for zach purden who's a champion jock over in hong kong at the time of recording, Grace Absurd is paying $14 in from 34 so has been very heavily backed. I don't know much about this international galloper, Grace. Can you fill me in on how he's been going leading into the Melbourne Cup? I think he's been really overlooked, Fee. Um, it's a horse that I, when I actually did my form and had a look at these internationals, I realised that while he's come out here with Vauban, same trainer, Willie Mullins, as you know, what was sort of touted as his traveling companion and his work companion, I feel as though he's actually got a really good winning chance in this race and he brings his own credentials, which, um, you know, factor and create a sense of timing about what he can do this Tuesday, 3,200 meters. So, so he's a last start e-ball winner which is over 2,800 metres. And the Ebor, which is a big feature race at York over in England, is generally a really good guide for horses to come out of that race. They don't have to win that race, but come through that race. And then it's about 70 or so days later where they, they hit the ground and they run in the Melbourne Cup and, and run well. So it's always a good race to see potential Melbourne Cup horses in. Absurd won the Ebor on that occasion. And Frankie Dettori rode him there. Unfortunately, Frankie Dettori has been suspended, so he can't join Absurd and ride him here. But he no loss with Zach Perton, another world-class jockey coming from Hong Kong to ride Absurd uh, on Tuesday. Now, the thing about Absurd versus Vauban is that everyone thinks that Vauban is the flashy chestnut and he's always leading up in his work and he's always motoring away and, you know, showing everyone how good he is. But Absurd is always tucked in behind, tracking along, um, and he's done nothing out of Werribee and in the track work uh, 
which is a massive part of the spring racing, to be able to watch these horses do their thing out on the track. I don't think he's done anything wrong. He doesn't look to be too much different to Vauban, in my opinion. And the key is that Absurd was actually in the race that Vauban won at Royal Ascot. Vauban won by seven and a half lengths from the front, but Absurd was buried away towards the rear of the field, extremely keen. He was over racing, throwing his head up, not loving being in and buried around horses on that occasion and actually finished off very strongly and sort of held the margin to Vauban to the line and he finished second there. Yes, it was beaten a long way, but... I didn't think that the run was bad. I mean, he was so far back regardless, and he sort of just held the margin to the line. Then he goes on, has a hurdle start, which is very unusual for Australians to think of a Melbourne Cup winner that two starts ago won a hurdle at Galway. But to be honest, Vauban is bringing similar sort of um, form as well, where Willie Mullins is a champion jumps trainer. That's what he does, but he also knows how to condition flat horses to go close in a Melbourne Cup. So um, Absurd went and, and ran in that hurdle, and then he went on to win an Ebor. He was clearly peaking in the Ebor, and I reckon he peaks again here for the Melbourne Cup. And no surprise for me to see him be firming $34 into $14. I think the market is starting to wake up that this horse in his own right has got a very good top three, top four, top five chance. And I'm putting him in the category of, um, you know, progressive X factor horses that I think can be in the finish here. So now let's move on to number eight, right? You are the second runner for Kiramara, David Eustace with John Allen aboard 53 kilos, jumping from barrier 15. Now, if Right You Are was to win on Tuesday, this would be back-to-back cup wins for Kiramara and David Eustace with two different horses. The first person, the first trainers to do that since Bart Cummings did it with Kingston Rule and Let's Elope. And for John Allen, this would be his first cup win. In the market, he's currently paying $51, Grace. Do you think that's a fair price for this horse? He's come in from 81 so people are starting to take notice of this horse. What are your thoughts on him leading into the cup? Interesting. So now we're up to horse number eight in terms of, um, you know, race book order. And that means that we're getting to the horses that are sitting, you know, nice and light on the weights with 53 kilos. And we're sort of getting to the horses that maybe don't have a great winning chance, but might be a first a first half of the field chance. Right You Are is a horse that came through the Caulfield Cup and he was up near the speed in what was a very fast run race. And to be honest, he was one of the best horses that sat on speed and was still there in the finish. So it was actually a really good run in the Caulfield Cup. Like the other horses that sat on speed around him got really tired and weakened towards the line, but he was still just going at that same speed, really. Uh, He was beaten four lengths in total because... For me, without a fight and West Wind Blows and Gold Trip, they're all better horses. They're in the best horse, class horse category, whereas Right You Are um, certainly isn't in that category. But um, I'm not saying he's in a not right now category either. Like he might actually be one that uh, a strong 3,200 metres is going to suit. However, it would be hard to say that he's got the class to be beating some of his rivals here in a Melbourne Cup. Now, let's move on to... Val and Declare number nine. Val and Declare won the Melbourne Cup in 2019. He lines up again one of two horses in the field to have previously won the Melbourne Cup. Trained by Danny O'Brien with Billy Egan aboard it with 53 kilos, jumping from barrier 19. He's, current, he's currently paying $27 to win and in, in from 34. 
Grace, this horse has been in quite good form leading into the Melbourne Cup, hasn't he? Yeah, he's definitely going really well, this preparation, Val and Declare. And what's so cool about this horse is he's now an eight-year-old, but this will be his fourth Melbourne Cup that he's run in. So it's easy for us <laughs> because we know exactly what he does over the distance and you know what he likes and how he performs with certain conditions. And he's a Melbourne Cup winner. That was going back four years ago. So uh, I think that he's an easy one for us to have a handle on for sure. Uh, Van Declare is going really well. All of his runs this preparation have been strong late. My only query is I feel like maybe it's just come up a little bit too soon for Val and Declare. Like I think that Connections might not have necessarily been thinking that he was going to be running in the Melbourne Cup this year. They hadn't had that as this is our grand final from six months ago and saying let's time everything to this moment. Uh, it's just been a fact of him, you know, jumping out of the ground that they're saying, well, let's go again. He's only fourth up in this race and he's coming out of the Underwood Stakes and then the Might and Power Stakes at Caulfield 2,000 metres and then um, Mooney Valley Gold Cup 2,500 metres where he ran second to Cleveland on that occasion. So maybe I would have loved to have seen Val and Declare just like have another run in there somewhere just in terms of being hard fit peaking for 3,200 metres, but there's no query that he gets the distance. Uh, barrier 19 is probably not ideal. Not actually sure how they're going to ride him, whether they try and get up on speed and slot in somewhere. It's a bit sticky for, for him from Barrier 19, actually. So, yeah, I, I think that um, he's definitely a stay all day because he's won a Melbourne Cup, so there's no worry about that. But maybe for me it's a little bit of a not right now. Like maybe, yeah, there's just something about his preparation and the fact that he's sort of coming in here um, a little bit, I don't know. It's it, For me, it doesn't feel like this has been his grand final target race the whole time, if that makes sense. I do think he's going well enough for me. You know, like if obviously the barrier is not ideal, but if he can overcome that, I think he's definitely a good chance for a place and who even knows? He's done it before. He could do it again. Let's go on to number 10, Cleveland. Now, Grace, last start, he won the Mooney Valley Gold Cup with a flashing run down the outside. He's trained by Chris Lees, first of two Chris Lees runners, Chris Lees runners with Michael D aboard at 52 kilos. Barrier 23, not ideal. What do you think of Cleveland's chances? What category are you putting them in? I really like Cleveland, actually, Fee. I have been watching this horse this whole preparation and in direct contrast to exactly what I just said about Val and Claire where connections were thinking oh he's eight now let's see how he's come back this spring oh wow he's going super let's go for the Melbourne Cup again Cleveland's entire preparation has been timed around getting him to the first Tuesday of November in absolute pristine condition because we know that that is what his owners do his owners are all about the Melbourne Cup. For them, the Melbourne Cup is the absolute holy grail. I think that this would be um, the Williams family's eighth Melbourne Cup victory if Cleveland was to win, which is astonishing in itself. So you have to take um, confidence with the fact that Chris Lee's the trainer, knows that this horse is the whole preparation targeted at the Melbourne Cup, and now he gets there. Another interesting thing about Cleveland is that this is the first horse in the field that we're seeing, race book order, to have had that magical 10,000 metre build up 
which Bart Cummings used to say. So Bart Cummings, legendary trainer, legendary conditioner of stayers. Um, he had this rule, this, you know, this, this golden rule that he thought a Melbourne Cup winner needs to have 10,000 metres of racing under their belt in the preparation before they get to the Melbourne Cup. Um, and Cleveland is the first horse race book order that we see has had that. He kicked off his campaign back in August, over 2,000 metres, and every single start since then, he's been getting better, he's been getting fitter, and he's been getting closer to a win. And last start in the Mooney Valley Gold Cup, we saw him win. That secured his spot in the race with 52 kilos. So he drops significantly in weight from what we've seen him do this preparation. I just know the timing is perfect. Chris Lees is a great trainer based out of Newcastle in New South Wales. Um, I think that this horse is a real smoky at, you know, an each way price. Barry 23, yeah, not great. Um, not loving that for him, but Mick D is just going to have to take his medicine, go back towards, you know, the rear of the field, conserve all energy to be building into the race at the right time and finishing off strongly. I actually think that Cleveland is in the category of progressive X factor horses. Um, and I reckon he could be a top five contender. Yeah, interesting you say that, Grace, because the market has not been his friend. He opened at 21 and is now at 46. So, while you're feeling you and the market are on opposite ends of the spectrum here, Grace. But yeah, it wouldn't be the I first agree. time. Like, the only thing in his way is is <laughs> the only thing in his way is his barrier, isn't it? Like that's really for me the biggest thing he's got to overcome. And if he can, he, I think you're right. He can be definitely a top five. Now, Grace, we move on to number eleven, Ash Run for Kira Mara and Dave Eustace. We've got Kira McAvoy aboard with fifty-one and a half kilos. Jumping from barrier 11 and paying $35 at the time of recording. This isn't Ash Run's first Melbourne Cup grace, but he has been away from the Melbourne Cup scene for a while, two or three years, I think, and now lines up again for his second attempt at the race. How do you think he's been going leading into the Melbourne Cup? Ashron is such a fascinating runner in this race because before we saw him resume his campaign on the 16th of September this year, we had not seen him race for 1,047 days. In fact, the last time we saw him race was in the Melbourne Cup of 2020. So three years later, he's lining up again for another Melbourne Cup, which um, would be an astonishing feat if he was to go on and go close in this race. The reason that he had such a long time on the sidelines is that he sustained a, ten, a tendon injury, um, you know, at some point after his Melbourne Cup run of 2020, just probably in training, and that had him, um, you know, seeing a lot of rehabilitation. He had to come in and out of many campaigns to make sure that his tendon injury was fully rehabilitated and was of no risk of being injured again. And that's why it's taken him so long to get back to the races. His runs this preparation have been good. Um, he is now fourth up into a Melbourne Cup. He was a narrow defeat, which was a pretty good run, in the Geelong Cup, a group through over 20, 2,400 metres last start. But for me, Fee, it's definitely a sense of I don't think – that the timing is right for this horse. I think, um, you know, getting this far and getting him into the race is a great step in the right direction. But fourth up off such a long break, to me, I don't think that's the right recipe for winning a Melbourne Cup. The only thing that is the query um, is that Kiramara and David Eustace, the trainers of Ashran, they are absolute masterminds at 
at conditioning horses so that, um, you know, while you might look at something on paper and be like, oh, that, that doesn't add up, like this horse can't then go and do this. And then they go and do it anyway because Kiramara and David Eustace <laughs> behind the scenes are so good at what they do in terms of getting fitness into their horses and having them cherry ripe in every single way that um, they can actually do amazing things. So the, the trainers are a massive tick for Ashron, but I just would need to see him do it. So he goes in the category of not right now for me. Okay, let's move on to number 12, Dashwan Sweep Jr. For Philip Stokes, we have Daniel Stackhouse aboard with 51.5 kilos, jumping from barrier 12. This would be Philip Stokes' first cup as well as Daniel Stackhouse. So exciting for those two to both have a chance in the cup this year. And he's currently playing 101. So uh, market's not heaps confidence, Grace. What are your thoughts on this runner? Yeah, look, you, you just go back and have a look um, at what he's done this preparation. And he is fifth up now, so no doubt he's fit enough and he's ready to go. Um, but he was $101 in a benchmark 100 behind Jimmy the Bear first up. Then he was $81 behind Solcombe, where he's beaten three and a bit lengths. And he was $61 in a, in a, in a handicap group three. And then, you know, it's, it's just there's not a lot of market expectation around this horse, which makes you think, hmm, is he really going to, like, jump out of the ground and defy the market here? at 100 to 1? Probably not. However, he did run in this race last year with 53 kilos, so actually a kilo and a half more than what he carries here. So now he's dropping in weight again. He finished sixth on that occasion on a soft seven track there. Uh, he was beaten by Gold Trip seven and a bit lengths, but his run was actually really, really good. So for me, he goes 100% in the category of stay all day. He loves 3,200 meters. He loves um, stamina contests, you know, where they just bowl along and carry on at that one speed. He will literally stay all day. And because of that, would not surprise me at all to see him finish top in the in the first half of the field here. I don't think he's classy enough to win, but he can run a bold race yet again. Now we move on to number 13, Okita Sushi, trained by Joseph O'Brien with Dylan Gibbons aboard at 51.5 kilos, jumping from barrier 20. In the market, he's currently paying $91, out from 81 at the open of the market. Grace, we saw him in the Caulfield Cup. What did you make of that run, and how do you think he's shaping up for the Melbourne Cup? That run in the Caulfield Cup was his first Australian start. Obviously, he came out here again, another one that's an international that's been out at the Werribee Quarantine Facility. Um, but in the Caulfield Cup, he got a long way back. He was towards the rear of the field. And on that fast tempo, which was a race that was set up for the back markers to be finishing off strongly, he did do that. He did finish off strongly, but he was still beaten nine lengths there. Is that good enough to then see him be able to go and win a Melbourne Cup? Probably not. He carries the same weight there. Look, I don't have a great profile on this horse, but um, I think that I'd be more confident in breakup bouncing back from what was just a little bit of a lackluster run in the Caulfield Cup and going well in the Melbourne Cup than I am with Okita Sushi. For me, he's probably in the category of not right now. Very good. Now we move on to number 14, Shiraz, trained by Chris Waller with Bo Mertens aboard 51.5 kilos, barrier 22. In the market, he is 126, out from 101, 101 from the market's opening grace ran eighth in the mooney valley gold cup leading into this race behind cleveland and vow and to clear what do you think of this gelding's chances on tuesday 
I don't know about Shiraz. He's a very <laughs> confusing horse because I think I backed him. When did I back him? Multiple times, to be honest. Um, and he's just a really hard one to catch. Like, you have a look at his finishing positions, this preparation. Like, he's been towards the rear of the field on many occasions, but he's often unlucky. One thing I will say about Shiraz is that I think he's the sort of horse that would appreciate Vauban getting to the front and going along at a very solid tempo. I don't think that this is a horse that will ever be able to show a you know sharp sprint at the end of a of a race. I think he'd always be out sprinted. Other horses would always be finishing off stronger than him if it's a sprint home, but he might be able to sort of stay all day and, and grind away at that same pace and keep going because we've seen him in one fast run race, which was actually a pretty good effort from, from Shiraz. So that might be in his favor, but it's just, it's a, there's a lot of unknowns with Shiraz, nothing about what he's been doing. You know, this preparation says I'm ready to go close in a Melbourne cup. So I think he has to be a not right now, but oh my goodness, if he goes out and goes close, I'll, I'll be very upset with myself, to say the least, Fee. Next, we have number 15, Lastochka, who is running for McPrice and Michael Kent Jr. This would be their first cup win if she was to win. We have Craig Williams aboard with 51 kilos, jumping from Barrier 21, another horse grace that we haven't seen in Australia just yet. What do you know about this five-year-old bay mare? She's currently paying $18 in from 26, so been a bit of a push for her. Unfortunately, I don't know a great deal about Lastochka, and I don't think many people do, to be honest, Fee. So I'm I'm interested and um, I suppose a little bit my confidence is higher knowing that someone out there is, you know, having a little bit of a nibble at her and thinking that she deserves to be a shorter price than she was. But she comes with really different French form, um, not the sort of form that we normally see over in Japan as being a top-class you know, top liner that can come over and win a Melbourne Cup, certainly not coming through an Ebor or a Royal Ascot win over in England. Uh, so it's really confusing what she's going to bring. She was the last start group three winner uh, in France over 3,100 metres. So she probably stays all day. Is she classy enough? I have absolutely no idea. She's got to be in the category of, she's in two categories, probably stay all day category and also maybe progressive X Factor category, but also maybe the not right now category. Duh, she's so tricky. She's one of the trickiest <laughs> horses in this race because I just have no idea. Yeah, just looking at the form too, Grace, she seems to have a bit more of a wet track profile. Three wins on the soft and a second on the soft and one win and one second on the heavy for two goes. So not sure the Australian conditions are going to be to her liking, but certainly can get the distance, which is a plus for her. Next, we move on to number 16, Magical Lagoon, running for Yulong, uh, trained by Chris Waller with Mark Duplessis aboard at 51 kilos and jumping from Barrier 7. Grace, she's paying $151 at the moment, so a little bit of, uh, quite a big price there for her. Her last start was in the Geelong Cup where she ran 6th. What are your thoughts on this one? What category are you putting her in? Well, my thoughts are that if Magical Lagoon wins the Melbourne Cup, uh, punters have not won <laughs> because she would be an absolute – this would be a shock victory. Um, and if anybody's pulled out Magical Lagoon in the sweep, I wish you well. But uh, the thing about her is there's nothing in her form that suggests that she's got what it takes to win 
a Melbourne Cup. There's nothing in her recent racing that says 3,200 metres is going to be what she wants either. So, look, Chris Waller, he's got her in this race because obviously he and, and his staff and the connections, Yulong, obviously the owners, those very famous Yulong colours, um, they all want a runner in the Melbourne Cup, but Chris Waller wouldn't run one if he didn't think that there was, you know, a plausible chance of them running a mighty race. So you've got to take trust in that. But, yeah, she was uh, – she led up the Geelong Cup field last start. She didn't go very fast, and she was just collared late, beaten about a length. Um, but I'm, I'm not thinking that that's the right form to be then bouncing into a Melbourne Cup and going close. So she's probably in the not right now category for me, Fee. Okay, now we are up to number 17, military mission for Gay Waterhouse and Adrian Bott. We have Miss Rachel King aboard. Interesting to note there are three female jockeys in the field this year. I think that is the most ever. I did a little bit of a quick look and the most I could count in, in recent years was two. Uh, so three this year is very, very exciting. A real glimpse at what the future of racing looks like, I think, with more, more women jockeys riding at the highest class. Rachel King and Military Mission will jump from Barrier 5, and this would be the second cup win for Gay Waterhouse. Fiorente won in 2013 in the first for Adrian Bott. Grace's last start was in the Herbert Power over 2400 meters in October and since then he's gone to the trials on the 1st of November over 1400 meters how do you think he's shaping up for the cup and what category will you put him in military mission has to be in the stay all day category because he has been um, a perennial winner up around 2400 meters 2500 meters and he's been winning well he's also a bit of a, a high class country cups um, specialist and I tell you what a Melbourne Cup would look pretty good alongside his Hobart Cup and his Newcastle Gold Cup that he's collected so far in 2023 and then of course he won a, a Herbert Power Stakes at his most recent start at Caulfield over 2400 metres as well he's got the 10,000 metres lead up that Bart Cummings used to you know hold as a golden rule he's been up and racing consistently and frequently since uh, early August so I think that while he might not be the classiest horse in the race, he's definitely got good staying ability. 51 kilos brings him right into contention. He was um, two starts ago a, a really big run, to be honest, behind Just Fine in the Metropolitan Handicap, which is at Randwick over 200 and 2,400 metres uh, at Group 1 level. He carried a lightweight there, 51 kilos and a half, and it, off a fast tempo, he really got warm late and was very strong through the line. So I think the 3,200 metres is not a query for him at all. It's definitely a stay all dayer. And I actually think he's got what it takes to, to give this race a bit of a shake. I think he's definitely like a, a t first half of the field, maybe even one that you could throw in your first four bets if you wanted to, you know, put some value in there, which is always the aim of the game. So I'm giving him a pretty good chance. And also Rachel King, she won the Coolmore Stud Stakes last Saturday at on at Flemington on Derby Day. Uh, a massive result for Rachel and a massive race for her to win and have on her CV. So... Fingers crossed she can go well in the Melbourne Cup as well. Yeah, I think she was the first female jockey to win the Coolmore Stud Stakes, so incredible result for her. And he is good value, Grace, at $34 on the in the market. So now we move on to number 18, Serpentine, trained again by Gay Waterhouse and Adrian Bott with Jai McNeil aboard carrying 51 kilos and jumping from 
Barrier 1. He's currently $46 in the market and from 61. His last start was in the Bart Cummings where he ran third behind Future History and First Immortal. How is he shaping up for the Cup, Grace? Yeah, he's an interesting runner. This horse, Serpentine, actually won an Epsom Derby, which is the best three-year-old staying contest um, basically in Europe. Like, it is as elite and prestigious of a race as the Melbourne Cup in its own right. So now owned by those connections that I spoke of earlier, Lloyd Williams and his family in those famous colours looking for their eighth Melbourne Cup victory, it's obvious that they've been targeting this race um, as the one that they want to win with Serpentine. But... Is he going, is he, is he, I suppose the question with Serpentine is, is how good actually is he since he's come out here to Australia? He's been around the mark, like he, he was on speed um, in that Bart Cummings and he, he was only beaten two lengths. He's sort of only been beaten a two, about two lengths each start this preparation. So there's probably um, enough substance there to say that he can be in the mix again, but he's not one that's jumping out to me as being, you know, a Melbourne Cup contender, a top three chance. No way, I don't think, especially because he's drawn barrier one and he likes to be up near the speed. So him and Vauban drawn barrier one and barrier three out of the barriers, expect to see them both, you know, the riders sort of ask them to say, hey, look, we've got to get on our skates here and we've got to try and hold a spot near the speed and not let those out wide come and cross over the top of us and, and have us back and buried. It would be in Serpentine and Vauban's favour to be near the speed and going along at a nice solid tempo, not being dictated to, buried back on the fence. So a few question marks there for Serpentine for me. But Jai McNeil, well, he's won this race before on Twilight Payment for the connections of Serpentine and he did it from the front. So Lightning could strike twice. We don't know yet, but um, I think he's probably in the category of not right now. Okay, now on to number 19, Virtuous Circle, a runner for Liam Howley, who would be winning his first Melbourne Cup if this horse was to get up. He's got Craig Newitt aboard at fi with 51 kilos, jumping from barrier six. In the market, he's currently $151, so a, quite the long shot. Grace, this horse has so far only won over 1,500 metres twice. He's certainly been running further than that. His last start was the 2,400-metre Geelong Cup, where he ran, ran eighth. Big job for Virtuous Circle on Tuesday. Yeah, definitely. Um, if... Virtual Circle wasn't able to win the Geelong Cup last start when I had all of my monies on him. I don't think that he's going to be able to win the Melbourne <laughs> Cup, unfortunately. Um, yeah, I, I I really like the way he was tracking and then he was he really disappointed to be in the Geelong Cup last start. So if I was to take that out of the equation, then maybe I'd be saying he'd be a first half chance based on what he was doing going through um, the naturalism stakes at Caulfield and then the Bart Cummings where he was quite unlucky behind future history. Maybe he'd be a first first half chance, but he was just plain disappointing in the Geelong Cup. And you're right, the the, the thirty two hundred meters is a real question mark at the moment. Fifty one kilos helps, but I'm just not sure that he's he's good enough to be honest. So um, he's drawn well and he's got a, a good barrier, but I think he's a second half of the field and in the not right now category. Then we move on to number twenty more Fallons for Chris Waller. Jamie Carr takes a ride at 50 and a half kilos and jumping from the widest gate in number 24. If more Fallons was to win on Tuesday, he would be the first horse in 50 years to win from that barrier. So a big ask. Currently paying $35 in the market, Grace. What do we know about more Fallons leading into the cup? 
Well, we don't know a heap about Morphelons because he has only been recently acquired by Australian Connections from Europe. So he's another one that's been out at Werribee International Quarantine Facility, but he's trained by Chris Waller now, so new trainer as well for the Australian Connections. We've only seen him have one race start. That was in the Geelong Cup, which we've been speaking a little bit about. Um, Virtual Circle came through that as well. And more felons was a $12 chance there, whereas Virtual Circle was a well-supported $5 chance. And more felons was sort of out the back and motored home to be only beaten about half a length. So very, very encouraging first up Australian run for this horse called more felons with, um, with Jamie Carter ride on Tuesday and 50 and a half kilos. That's, that's, I, I like that setup. What I have a slight query on is that this horse back in Europe was actually racing under a different name. The name was Scriptwriter. He's now changed uh, names because for whatever reason, there might have been a Scriptwriter already here in Australia, so he had to change his name. Um, but this horse actually ran in the Ebor behind Absurd only about 70 days ago, and Absurd was clearly better than Scriptwriter on that day. Scriptwriter was beaten about three and a half lengths, had his chance absurd was clearly the one out of that race that I want to be with in a Melbourne Cup if you're looking at those two horses together so um, taking that into consideration I think while we'll see a nice performance from more felons he probably goes in the category of not right now but maybe 12 months later or we'll see how he goes in the autumn and he could be a real factor in maybe a Caulfield Cup next year so he's definitely a progressive x-factor horse but I think he's in the in the not right now category for me. Okay, now moving on to an interesting runner here, 21 Future History, another one of the Ma Eustace team lining up and with Holly Doyle aboard with 50 kilos. Now, Holly would be the first international female rider in the Melbourne Cup, which is incredible. That doesn't count uh, Kiwi female riders, just the ones uh, a bit further afield. Uh, future history is jumping from barrier 13 and currently paying $23 grace. He earned a spot in the race by winning the Bart Cummings two starts ago. What do you think of his chances on Tuesday? There's a lot to like about how this sets up for future history. Um, he has been racing since the 10th of June. So he has had a proper, proper preparation to then culminate in a Melbourne cup, run where he is clearly rock hard fit um, and he's got more than 10,000 metres in his legs for the 3,200 metres on the first Tuesday of November. Uh, He won the Bart Cummings two starts ago. He did it from the front and he did it just going along at an even speed and showing a pretty good dash late to hold off those in what it wasn't a sit in a sprint race, but it wasn't, you know, a, a real stamina test either. So, look, it was a good effort to win the Bart Cummings 2,500 metres at Flemington. And the key was that he then secured his spot in the Melbourne Cup, coming off a benchmark 78 performance, you know, two starts earlier than an open handicap win. And then he went to the Group 3 Bart Cummings and skyrocketed into the field because it's a golden ticket race. So, Actually, um, from you know me putting on my my goggles of like seeing who's well in in this race, future history is definitely well in because he's got the minimum weight and he's a horse that's on the up. We haven't seen the best of him yet. He's not exposed. He's not a gold trip or without a fight that have won Group Ones and um, therefore the handicapper has caught up to them and says, right, you're penalised with a big weight here because you're a good horse. We haven't seen the best of future history yet. So the placement from the Kiramara and David used to take Eustace team has been exceptional and they have nailed it to this point. He then goes to a Mooney Valley Gold Cup last start where 
Um, he was towards the rear of the field, was was good, no doubt. Cleveland beat him home that day and was probably better on the day, but still a good run from future history. But 50 kilos here is amazing. And uh, Holly Doyle from Barrier 13, this is a horse that likes to, to go up and be near the speed. But I think she can go and use the barrier to settle you know, look to be positive, but then blend in somewhere in the first half of the field and, and be in the absolute perfect spot with cover and be able to pop out and, and get into the race when she needs. So I actually really like the setup here. Um, I think that he can give this race a bit of a shake. He's probably in the progressive X-Factor horse category, and I think he could be definite first half maybe even top five, top top six contender. Okay, a bit, bit of a push from you there. Number 22 is Interpretation, another runner for the Ma Eustace stable. Tio Nugent in the saddle at 50 kilos and jumping from Barrier 17. Grace, he won the Bendigo Cup just four days ago on the 1st of November, so he's doing the quick backup for Tuesday. How do we like his chances? He's currently paying. $91. He's a little bit inconsistent interpretation. Um, sometimes he'll really catch you and say, whoa, that was an amazing run. And then he'll go around the next time and you're sort of left scratching your head to work out what happened there. Uh, he clearly didn't run up to expectations. So so given that we know that he's quite inconsistent, yes, he won the Bendigo Cup last start last Wednesday, in fact. So he's on the quick backup here, as you said. I'm not with him. Barrier 17, he's probably going to have to take his medicine early and, and go back toward the rear of the field or blend in somewhere midfield. And then you've got to ask yourself, is he good enough to, you know, um, go with some of those horses from the back of the field or get past some of those on speed? And I just don't think he's classy enough. So uh, I think he's in the not right now category and he's probably, I think he'll finish in the second half of the field. Now we move on to number 23, Calipore, the second of the Chris Lee's runners. We've got Zach Lloyd aboard an apprentice carrying 50 kilos Jumping from barrier 14, Grace's last start was on the 4th of November Derby Day yesterday in the Archer Stakes where he won over 2,500 metres. Now has to race three days later. How do you think he's going to go? Currently paying $46, so the market uh, isn't totally against him. What are your thoughts? It's interesting. Um, the Archer on Derby Day is always the final opportunity for horses to gain a golden ticket entry into the <laughs> Melbourne Cup. So each and every year we see the horses that are just not in the race yet have to run. They're forced to run in that race to try and get their way in. Uh, Calipore has done that by winning the Archer. He won it well from the front. He led and he was able to give a good kick over the concluding stages. Whether that is, and not just that, but just Calipore in general is good enough to be winning a Melbourne Cup. Well, he was beaten by Military Mission in the Newcastle Gold Cup a few starts ago. We already spoke about Military Mission. He was also beaten by Cleveland. Um, while Cleveland didn't win, he was still in behind him on that day uh, at Randwick on the 14th of October. So he's got form around some horses I'm giving you a chance to, but he hasn't yet beaten them home. So look, I, I don't think that he's going to be figuring the finish there. I could be wrong though. Um, but for me, he's, he's probably not right now and, uh, and probably a second half of the field. Yeah. Having watched his arch stakes race, uh, yesterday, didn't think he really was convincing me he's ready to step out to the 3,200 either. So, uh, definitely one, I think like you second half of the field, and now, Grace, we are up to our last runner, number 24, True Marvel, running for Matthew Smith 
and with Ben Thompson aboard at 50 kilos, he's jumping from barrier 10. His last start was in the Mooney Valley Gold Cup, uh, finishing 10th behind Cleveland and Bow and Declare. Currently paying $126, Grace. What category are you going to put our last runner in? True Marvel definitely goes into the category of stay all day because he will actually stay all day. He is a, such a funny horse. He genuinely could finish in the first half of this field at a massive price because he just will not stop. He will just keep on going. Um, True Marvel, he's been up forever. Uh, he won back in May, on the 30th of May, a maiden hurdle at Hamilton. So it's not just Vauban and Absurd, the Willie Mullins pair from <laughs> Ireland that have got hurdle form, jumps racing form, you know, in their in their form books recently. It's also True Marvel. So, um, look, it's hard to say off his recent runs that he's screaming, suggesting that he's going to be in the finish in a Melbourne Cup. Like, there's no way that his form is good enough to be considered a winning chance in the Melbourne Cup. But he will just keep staying he loves 3200 meters 2800 meters it's his absolute forte um he's one that wouldn't surprise to see him like keep sort of in the same way that dashian sweet jr finished six in the melbourne cup last year like it's that sort of a setup it wouldn't he's, he's that sort of a horse they might be able to run eighth or seventh or something but um i think that's about as as good as they would go in a Melbourne Cup. Well, Grace, that's it. That's our 24 runners that we have run through. It's uh, quite a big job. Uh, we, I always forget just how long it's going to take to have a little bit of a look at each and every one of them. Now comes the hard part. Who are you going to be with on Tuesday? Okay, so in terms of the way that we're going to do it, um, I'm going to give my top four and I'm also going to then give the horses that are going to go in my first four. So that's the way I'm playing this race. I'm, um, I've, I have had one bet in the race already just on an each way basis, but then I'm going to put in a couple of horses to fill my first four bet. And hopefully, um, I've got some value in there. And if it was to get up, that's like, you know, the best thing ever. And I'll be absolutely thrilled. So my top four horses in this race I think I'm going with without a fight as my top selection in the race. I was uh, extremely impressed by the way that he was able to win a Caulfield Cup, um, you know, with only his second run for the preparation. Now he goes third up into a Melbourne Cup, considered a good winning chance in the race last year when he came out for international trainers. Uh, the wet track brought him undone there. He now gets a good track and he's absolutely airborne. So he's my on-top selection without a fight. I've also got to be with Vauban because we know that he's a high-class Irish horse. Um, the only query I have, my concern is where he gets to from Barry 3, and if Ryan Moore can do Ryan Moore things and gets him to the front and or even in behind the speed and he's relaxing and he's travelling, then he can win. There's no doubt. But I'm just a little bit worried that we might see him have to do too much work early or get buried um, back, you know, two back, three back on the fence and not be able to dictate, and that might not suit him. Absurd, I really like the, the travelling companion of Vauban. I think in his own right, he's a good horse. He won an e-ball last start in Ireland, uh, sorry, in England, and um, I've been taken by his track work alongside the big flashy chestnut in Vauban. So I think barrier eight is perfect for Absurd. Um, he goes in my, in my top four winning chances. And then for my fourth spot fee, it's really hard because I've got two horses that I want to put in there, both Solcombe and also Cleveland. So maybe because of the price factor, I'm going to go with Cleveland as my fourth 
selection in this race. Now, those are my top four, but the other ones I'm going to put in my first four will be Sulcum and also Gold Trip and also Future History. So seven horses I've got that are going to fit in my first four bet, which you can absolutely do. Just go onto your, your betting app and go to first four or exotics first four, and you can have as many horses as you want in there. It'll cost more to put on if you have more horses in there. But that's the joy of the Melbourne Cup. You try and you try and win on exotic bets like this. So they're my seven horses that go on my first four. And I hope that it pays because that would be absolutely amazing for me. Okay, well, Grace, I'm just going to have a little look at the field and race order and pick my own group of horses to put in a first four because I agree with you that's the way to go for this edition of the Melbourne Cup so definitely Gold Trip he, he has to go in he's just been going too good to leave him out as you know second favorite I'd be silly to leave him out without a fight certainly has to go in Vauban has to go in I'm going to leave Solcom out. I'm just not convinced he's going to jump as cleanly as we would like and need him to in order to, you know, be close enough to the speed. So he's going to stay out. Absurd, you've definitely brought me around to him, Grace, with your thoughts on him earlier. I'm also going to put in number nine, Vow and Declare. Number 10, Cleveland. And then number 21, Future History. So I've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven horses in my first four. That's what I'm going to go with for the Melbourne Cup. Well, thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in to our Melbourne Cup special. Grace has just had to run off to her next recording. So it's just me signing off. Hopefully you feel a lot more across the Melbourne Cup field now after listening to this special episode. It's going to be a fabulous day of racing on Tuesday, a fabulous week of racing really at Flemington. Um, I'm sure a few of you will be getting out trackside on one or two or three or most of the days. Um, So enjoy yourselves, enjoy from home and Grace and I will be catching you very soon for another episode.